minds that plot destruction Sorcerer of death's construction In the fields of bodies burning As the war machine keeps turning Death and hatred to mankind Poisoning their brainwashed minds Welcome to the Anarchist World This Week, broadcast across Australia on the National Community Radio Satellite. Listen to the Anarchist World This Week, Australia's sacred cow slaughterhouse. Listen to analysis of local, national, international events. Listen to analysis you'll never hear anywhere else. Welcome to the Anarchist World This Week, broadcast across Australia via the courtesy of the lovely people of the Community Radio Network. This program is streaming live on 3cr.org.au. If nature calls, the baby wants to be breastfed, the bikey next door needs a cup of sugar for his lab, don't despair, the program is podcast. You can access the podcast by going to 3cr.org.au, that's 3cr.org.au. Dot org dot My name is Joseph Toscano. I'm hosting today's program. If you don't like it, move on. If you like it, listen. If you're not sure, listen for a little bit and see what happens. Now, you wonder what anarchism is all about? No, it's not about beheadings, mass rape, slaughter. Nothing like that. You need to go on the World Wide Web to get that. Anarch- anarchy, anarchos without rulers. It's a political, social ideological, philosophical movement which is based on the concept that human beings can not only regulate their own lives without rulers but they can re- regulate huge societies without rulers. How? What gives a ruler power? Inequalities in power and wealth, obviously. The more hierarchical society, the more power is centralised in the hands of fewer and fewer people, the less freedom there is for everybody else. But it's not just a matter about an inequality in in power, it's also about an inequality in wealth. So if you want to create a, a stable society without rulers, you need to become involved in struggles to devolve power, share wealth. Very simple concepts. Equalities in power and wealth is what will eventually create a society without rulers. And why do you want a society without rulers? Society without rulers gives the maximum number of individuals the, the opportunity to develop themselves to their fullest potential. And isn't this a worthwhile goal in the history of the human race? So, think about it. Anarchos without rulers. How do you create a society without rulers? You devolve power, share wealth. Simple concepts. All right. Now... I love the mass media. I really love, especially the corporate-owned media, and to a lesser degree, the you know the poor old government guild at ABC, where people are struggling, struggling to open their mouths without it being, you know, snapped shut by the ABC bureaucracy, if not the corporate media. But sometimes you think that they must have been trained at the Pavlovian school, because when you look at media responses to issues. They come out frothing and then disappear. I'll give you an example. 
Now, we all know the biggest political orphan in Australia is public housing. We all know that when it comes to people supporting, people in authority supporting the concept of public housing, a concept which was de rigueur three or four decades ago, it has now become, it's shunned. It's as if that person, public housing, has some type of highly contagious, it's, it's a highly contagious disease. So we see governments of all political persuasions push public housing aside, try to destroy public housing like the Labor government in Victoria is trying to do and the Liberal government in New South Wales and governments across the country, except possibly for the exception of Queensland currently. So we've got this huge debate, which is non-existent. It's non-existent because normally in any... uh, any campaign, there's people that are for and against. And usually the people that are for and against, you know, are evenly matched. But when it comes to public housing, especially public housing in Australia and the privatisation of public housing, what you see is one total, complete denigration in most, not all, but most of the corporate-owned media about the value of public house housing and, more importantly, the value of public housing tenants as human beings. Then we have governments which have washed themselves of the responsibility of providing the, public, the basic necessities for existence Governments who have done this attempt to destroy what's been created in the past because it's a little bit too hard. And you can destroy public housing very simply by turning off the tap, by not maintaining apartments, by letting them run down, by not building new apartments, by providing so-called rent assistance for the private sector, you know, as the Commonwealth Government does. And then you'd expect people who provide services to be jumping up and down in the struggle to support public housing. But do we see them? No. The community sector, the affordable housing sector, the social housing sector, the tenants associations have all withdrawn from the struggle to protect, let alone defend and extend public housing. Because they're waiting. They're waiting for the privatised goodies to fall in their laps as governments across this country transfer titles to the private sector, privatising their responsibility to provide basic accommodation to people who will never in a fit, be able to buy in the private sector. 
So in steps public interest before corporate interest, when late in 2016, we were asked to become involved in this struggle and we formed Defend and Extend Public Housing. Now the campaign for defending and extending public housing in Victoria, and that's the state I'm familiar with, has to a large degree fallen on deaf ears. And the strategy is very simple. The strategy for change is very simple. is to ensure that a hung parliament occurs after the next state election on the 24th of November in Victoria, where the balance of power is held by the Victorian Greens. Because the Victorian Greens are the only, that's the Victorian State Greens, are the only political party that has a positive policy regarding both defending and extending public housing that does not entail privatisation. Because if the Andrews-led Labor government and the Guy-led opposition win power in their own right after the next state election, public housing will disappear. Disappear in the state of Victoria. It will be outsourced, like everything else has been outsourced. It will be outsourced to the private sector, whether it's for-profit or not-for-profit doesn't really matter. It'll be outsourced because public housing should be publicly owned and publicly managed. Very simple definition. Publicly owned and publicly managed. So what are we doing about it? Obviously there are small groups, some resident-based, some not, who are decided that this is an issue that is worth fighting for. Because having suitable accommodation at a reasonable cost is everybody's right. Every citizen's and resident's right. So our campaign focuses around holding rallies outside the Victorian Parliament House once a month. And if you want these dates, just go to Defend and Extend Public Housing website. And the next rally will be on Wednesday the 11th of April at midday. Wednesday the 11th of April, outside the Victorian Parliament House. Now, if you find you've got the same issue where you live, that state governments want to privatise public housing, they don't want to extend public housing, then isn't it time you took this up? Because, see, what people don't seem to understand is that a strong public housing sector helps everybody. It helps renters because it introduces competition in the marketplace. If you've got a strong publicly owned and publicly managed public housing sector, it would puts downward pressure on rents, especially on places that you don't need to pay a huge amount of money to rent. It, puts, it also puts downward pressure on investors because investors, if they don't get the return they want, they will put their property back on the market 
and if there is a glut of properties on the market, there'll be a drop in housing prices, especially at the lower end, which helps first home buyers. So about the only people who'd be unhappy with a strong public housing sector would be the 10% of Australians, I think it's 8% of Australians, who own more than one home, who use this country's investment-friendly laws you know, to line their own pockets at the expense of the rest of the community by legally not paying tax and enjoying the largesse of legislation which has been enacted in order to change the culture, the culture of this country, the very culture of this country. So our proposal is very simple. We propose that the $6 billion that is raised in stamp duty in Victoria and the $6 billion plus that is raised in New South Wales and the other billions of dollars that are raised in every state in the Commonwealth of Australia, we quarantine for public housing. In Victoria, this would mean that you could build up to, you could spot purchase or build up to 25,000 new homes per year, which would mean you could accommodate up to 100,000 people in public housing in a year, which would mean you accommodate almost a million people in a decade. It's an extraordinarily easy proposal. It doesn't take revolution. It doesn't take blood in the streets. Doesn't even take a. Doesn't even take a national um, strike. All it takes is for both houses of parliament to pass legislation to quarantine that six billion dollars for public housing. The advantages would be extraordinary. Now, when I first started the program, I talked about Pavlovian responses. So here on the Anarchist World this week, we don't just look at the issue, we look beyond the issue. And what we try to do is join the dots. Because joining the dots is essential material, essential, it's an essential colouring book. You know, you join the dots in the colouring book for activists. For example, everybody currently is jumping up and down about police overreaction and brutality in the state of Victoria, okay? Fine. I've seen the news clips. I know what it's like. I don't need to see a news clip or a video or a CCTV footage to know that the culture in the police force is changing. We've seen the militarisation of police forces across this state, even to the extent of changing the colour of the uniform in Victoria to make them look more like a military or quasi-military outfit. We've seen all the new weapons which they've been given to quell rioting and public disturbances in the streets of Victoria. It's all there, all the new training. And we've seen the devastation caused by the privatisation, globalisation, corporatisation, deregulation revolution, where the public health sector has basically been forced to deal with issues in a band-aid fashion, especially those that public section of the public health sector that deals with mental health. And although there are all these little things that are funded to assist people with mental health issues, the reality is that 
Very little public money goes into public, into mental health. So what police have to deal with is people with mental health issues. And that's what the jails are now dealing with. Over 40% of people in jails in this country are there because they've got significant mental health issues. And there aren't the facilities in the public health sector to deal with those issues. And if you say, what about the private mental health sector? Well, an average price for a 45-minute consultation with a private psychiatrist is $340, and only about half of that comes back as a Medicare rebate. So accessing private psychiatric care is a luxury which is reserved for a small section of the population. So what happens when you close down institutions? What happens when you don't have support? What happens when you don't fund the emergency cat schemes which are there to actually attempt to deal with these issues before they become police issues? If I have the police and the prisons become the mechanism via which society, the police, the prisons, the courts, become the mechanism by which society deals with our inability to adequately fund mental health issues. So although you see a disabled man being beaten on CCTV, and you know, this is, this is a common occurrence, there's this Pavlovian response, we need an outside authority to investigate police, which obviously I would agree with, not police investigating police. Where's the other debate? about the reason police, prisons and courts have now become de facto mental health institutions that have to deal with this crisis in society. Where's the debate about that? It's not there. And that's the weaknesses of a system that relies on a Pavlovian response to an emergency critical situation that is not willing or is unable to deal with the underlying causes of that issue. So with the increased militarisation of police across this country, especially in Victoria, the lessons which were learnt 15 years ago when half the people who have been shot dead by Victoria Police had significant mental health issues and a new policy was introduced where police were taught to deal with mental health issues in, in a different matter, not in a physical, confrontational aspect where you actually escalate the problem. And police training was very simple. HEAR was the acronym. HEAR, H-E-A-R. You're dealing with a situation. There's a person who's obviously got a mental health issue. You've made that assessment. H, here to help. Not pull out the pepper stray, get out the batons, pull out the boots, get out the fists. H, here to help. E, empathy. A word which nobody seems to understand anymore. Empathy, having some feeling. 
for somebody else. Empathy. A. Active listening. Listen. Use your ears. And R. Report. And many of those situations which led to police shootings before this psychological training was introduced to help deal with this situation disappeared. And now with the increase in militarisation of the police force, because we are having more social issues, because there's less public money to deal with critical issues in our society, we see that all this training has been watered down, disappears. It's all about control, exercising control, exercising power, taking the fist, the iron fist out of the velvet glove. So what we are seeing is a social problem, a political problem, an ideological problem, a problem that has been created by a fixation on maximising profits, irrespective of the human, social, environmental and national costs. And this will escalate. These issues will escalate as people who've been left behind organise, resist. You're listening to The Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia via the Community Radio Network. Sometimes you despair. Well, I don't despair, I laugh. Now, I do love Mr Guy. Now, those of you who don't know Mr Guy, he's a little person who thinks he's got big ideas. A little bit like me. A little person who thinks he's got big ideas. But while I just talk to you on the uh, airwaves and encourage you to become active, Mr Guy, Matthew Guy, is the leader of the Victorian opposition. And he believes he will be the next Victorian Premier. Right? Now, Mr Guy is a man who's brutally honest. He said that the means justifies the ends. Now, when it comes to parliamentary machinations, the man who had a lobster with a mobster has out-trumped everybody else, even the, uh, the Trumpster himself. Two of these members in the Legislative Council, I mean, the ALP decided to hold Parliament on Good Friday, OK? Now, two of the members of the Legislative Council, Mr Finn and another gentleman who are Catholics, I assume, had organised pairs with their Labor members. What that means is, we'll go to church. You allow us to go to church. Two of your members step down and don't vote. But on Good Friday, these good Catholics, these good Christians, these honest men, at the request of their leader, Mr Guy turn up at the Legislative Council, well, the two Labor members had disappeared, you know, down the beach or something, to vote to defeat the CFA bill. End of story. Now, isn't integrity an important component of being a Premier? 
Isn't personal integrity important? Does Mr Guy want to be Mr Assad? Hmm? Where the means justifies the ends? Or you'll do whatever you can to win power, to impose your ideas on the rest of the population? Extraordinary state of affairs. But what's even more extraordinary is the Murdoch's media reaction to what is a significant issue that goes to the very heart of an individual and the political party's credibility. As far as they're concerned, it didn't really occur. It's all about the red shirts. You know, it's all about Labor's rorting during the last state election. Talk about kicking an own goal. Look, Matthew, the sooner you're dumped as leader of the Victorian Liberal Party, the greater the chance the Liberal Party would actually, Liberal National Party would actually have a chance of winning the next Victorian state election. I mean, it's just an extraordinary situation. But we do live in interesting times. That's the old... Thing. So again, the old Pavlovian response, right? Old Pavlovian response. You froth at the mouth, you put up the right picture and bark, 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 bark. And you can make them bark whenever you like. You listen to the Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia via the Community Radio Network. My name is Joseph Dusko, I'm hosting today's program. Now those of you who live in Melbourne town, and that's about 20% of the Australian population, or is it about 16%? Look, uh, the dinners with Joseph Tosca, that's yours truly, are still on, starting around 6, 6.30pm every Wednesday night at the Conjo Ethiopian Restaurant at 20 Smith Street in Collingwood, which is just across the road from the radio station I broadcast from. Every Wednesday night, 6, 6.30, hail, rail, sh- hail rain, shine, whatever, Fog, snow, you never know of climate change. Every Wednesday night, pop in, have a chat, have a conversation, meet some real people, leave the uh, flesh, the glories of the flesh, leave the net, stop you know, wasting your time playing games and turn up, have a meal. Obviously you'll pay for your own food and drinks. Nobody else is just your own food and drinks. Just turn up. Now, sometimes you have to laugh, don't you? You really have to laugh. The Menzies group. Poor old Robert Menzies would be turning his grave. If there's one thing Robert Menzies was, was that he was a little bit of an orator. And when you see the likes of Abbott turn socialist, that's right, he's turning socialist on you. Here we have the recalcitrant rump of the Liberal Party, led by the former leader, former Prime Minister of this country, Mr Abbott, who is waiting for that 30th poll. That's right, opinion poll. It'll show Turnbull's having a bit of trouble. Thinks that by attaching himself to the coal industry... But more importantly, by diverting taxpayers' money to build a new coal power station, 
$4 billion to be exact, that his political fortunes will be resurrected. Talk about delusional thinking. The man's more delusional than I am. When I talk about radical egalitarian social change, I didn't think there were many more people that were as delusional as I am, but I've just found one. Poor old Tony and his cronies, the Menzies group. Coal-fired socialists wanting to divert public money to build coal-fired power stations. You know why? Because the private sector has decided coal is deja vu, derriere, useless. It's on the way out. Why would you invest in it? That's why they're not flocking. If there was a buck to be made, obviously they'd be there. That's what capitalism is about. It's about making a buck. So if there was a buck to be made in the coal industry, they'd be fighting to build a new coal-fired power station. No. No. So, Tony, welcome to the land of socialism. Unfortunately, maybe the $4 billion you're talking about should be directed to solar. Wind. Who knows? You have to have a comedy section occasionally in the anarchist world this week and I think uh, Mr Abbott's posturing with Mr Barnaby Joyce who's just come out of the political wilderness who's joined the Menzies group I think is uh, really highlights the situation we find ourselves in and I don't blame Tony and Barnaby nice people it's the Australian electorate and the corporate owned media who push this garbage day in and day out we elect them They're not self-appointed, although they'd like to be self-appointed. We still elect them. So if we elect them, we have to deal with it. All right. Moral moral compass. Now, sometimes things happen that are quite extraordinary. And what's more extraordinary is the lack of a Pavlovian response. Now, somebody fires off a gun in the US of A and kills a few people. Front page news for for weeks. If the North Koreans get involved in some type of military exercise, front page news for weeks. Social media saturated with the threat of us being having a nuclear bomb landing in Sydney or Darwin or whatever. But when the Israeli army, when the Israeli army opens live fire, uses live ammunition to disperse unarmed civilians and kills 15 of them and injures another 800, you would think there'd be some response from our leaders, especially when the United Nations calls for an investigation into what occurred a few days ago. Now, Gaza is the world's biggest prison. Just under 2 million people are confined to an area of about 45 
square kilometres. It's a prison. It's a prison. Nothing else. And the people in this prison are people who are forcefully evicted from their homes and their descendants in 1948 when the State of Israel was created. Now, in Gaza, things are becoming increasingly desperate in the world's biggest prison. And a people's movement has evolved outside the control of Hamas and the PLO. A people's movement, which through social media has organised the Great Return March. And this is a non-violent movement which is based on people breaking down the fences of their prison and walking back to what would have been their old homes in Israel. Now, obviously, this poses a threat, both a physical and existential threat to the state of Israel. But we're not talking about people armed with machine guns and tanks on one side and people armed with machine guns and tanks and rockets on the other side. We're talking about people armed with stones and burning tyres and people armed with bulldozers, tanks and machine guns on the other side. So what we've seen in Gaza is just another massacre of Palestinians. And neither Mr Turnbull or Mr Shorten are willing, willing to open their mouths at least the great Groper, you know, President Groper of the US of A, said, we will block any inquiry into the latest Gaza massacre that the United Nations want to, wants to conduct by blocking it in the Security Council. At least we know where he stands. Just another massacre. Well, they're only Palestinians, aren't they? And what I really found fascinating was uh, the Brigadier General who was in charge of the Israeli troops who said, well, well, we've saved a lot of people by killing a few. Indicating that if the, the Gaza prison fences had been breached, by these unarmed protesters or protesters armed with stones and burning tyres, that they would have no hesitation in killing hundreds, possibly thousands of people to protect the sovereign rights of the State of Israel. Extraordinary. Extraordinary. Just another Palestinian massacre. Let's not worry about it. Now, the Great Return March campaign will be conducted for the next six weeks. So it'll be interesting to see if the Israeli generals have, and parliament have learnt their lesson. That there is, there are mechanisms by which you can deal with people throwing rocks without open 
fire on them with firearms. We will see. We will see. Moral compass, ethical behaviour, oxymoron. Listen to the anarchist world this week. Now, just in case you think brutality is just something that is practised by one particular state, I'd just like to remind you about the West Papuan Open Day, which will be held in Melbourne on Sunday the 8th of April, 1pm Papuan lunch. Guest speakers at 2pm and then uh, biscuits and coffee. Now, this is one of three events which is held every year by the West Papuan community, and it's held at the West Papuan office at the Lifestyle Building, 838 Collins Street in Docklands. Ordinary Australians, people like you and me, are members of the Rent Collective. For three and a half years, we have been raising the money to pay the rent to allow the West Papuans to conduct their own struggle for independence, a struggle which parallels the struggle which is happening for Palestinian independence, a struggle which has lasted for over 60 years, a struggle which resulted in over the deaths of over 500,000 people from a population of less than 1.5 million over the last 50 years, a struggle which continues... And by donating a dollar a day to the Rent Collective, we can ensure that West Papuan activists in this country have a centre through which they conduct their international campaign to promote the ideas of West Papuan independence. Like the Palestinian Great Return March was to put Gaza back on the world map because we tend to forget about things unless they're highlighted. The West Papua independence struggle needs to be put back on the world map, and it is being put back on the world map. And this office in Melbourne is a pivotal link in that campaign. So if you want to join the West Papua Rent Collective, if you want to see what they're doing, West Papuans are doing in Australia, come along. Open invitation. 1pm, Papuan lunch. 2pm, guest speakers, Dr Eben Kursky, West Papuan Social Justice. Go to 838 Collins Street in Docklands, which is, you know, jump off the tram. Walk around the back to the boardroom. You'll see people there congregating, enjoying themselves, talking, laughing, meeting, be involved in serious discussions. And if you like what you see... For a dollar a day, you can do a number of things. You can fight your alcohol addiction, one less glass of wine, or was that 310 mils less glass of wine? You can stop smoking instead of wasting, you know, 20, 30 bucks a day buying cigarettes. You could put a dollar aside. You could lose weight and not eat as much. When can you actually improve your own personal health and assist one of the world's longest-standing movements that has been struggle for independence. Because remember, across the world, there are groups that have been struggling for independence, whether it's the Kurds, whether it's the Palestinians, whether it's the West Papuans, whether it's other people in this around the globe. There are many, many groups that do not have 
the ability to govern themselves and who have had to face violence on a daily basis in order to promote that struggle. So, West Papuan Open Day, open invitation. I'm the convener for the West Papuan Rent Collective. I invite you personally, the West Papuan community invites you. Sunday the 8th of April, 1pm, Papuan Lunch, 2pm, Dr Ebden Kursky uh, reports regarding the progress of the uh, movement for West Papuan independence. And remember, West Papua is only 75 kilometres from Australia. So close, but yet so far. Fighting for independence for a long, long time. War. War. Now, I wonder if you realise that we are... There is war going on in Australia. Well, if you're an Aboriginal or a Torres Strait Islander, you understand there has been a war been going on for a long, long time. I'm also talking a war that crosses religious boundaries, crosses racial boundaries. There's a war in this country that has been launched and financed against the public sector, against the interests of the many. That's right, the public, in the interests of the many. And this war is fought out in many, many theatres. Public education, public health, public infrastructure, public mental health care, And the list goes on and on and on and on and on. And during the last 40 years, this war has escalated to such a degree that only about 8 to 10% of the Australian population have been the recipients, have had the loot, been able to put this loot in their pockets. And we see this war carried on on many fronts. And we have a Pavlovian response to this war. We say, oh, 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 look at that homeless person. Oh, that's terrible. Oh, oh, look at the waiting list in the hospitals. That's terrible. Oh, look at the dilapidated um, school in my child's public school. Oh, look at the lack of public infrastructure. Oh, Oh, what's happened since everything's been privatised? There is a war. It is a war which has been conducted by the corporate sector, that small section of society that owns the means of production, distribution, exchange and communication against the many, the public. It's a war that's been conducted by them, assisted by that 8 to 10% of Australians who derive their income from investments which are promoted through taxation laws which reward investors but discriminate against honest, hard-working Australians. It is a war that has an impact on, their children, on our children's education, on the standard of health care, on our ability to enjoy life. 
it is a war which is unremitting, which is conducted through the corporate-owned media, through governments of all political persuasions, and through a shrinking number of corporations and people who believe they were born to rule, but not only born to rule, but born to exploit the rest of us. It is a real war and has real casualties and real consequences. And we forget that this war has been conducted against the many, by the few, by the very people we elect to govern us at a local, state and federal level. They are conducting that war. We vote them in. They conduct that war against us. Think about it. Think about it. It happens every moment of every day. In France, which is, appro- which is approaching the 50th anniversary of the May Day revolutions, in France, French workers are not idly sitting back, allowing that government to conduct that war on them, stripping them, them away of their rights stripping rights that they have won through decades of struggle. They are on the street. They are involved in mass strikes. They are involved in protests. And these mass strikes and rolling protests will go on for weeks and weeks. Well, in Australia, we have lost that ability. Through legislation which criminalises the very act of withdrawing your labour outside an enterprise bargaining agreement and by the very act of even trying to withdraw your labour during an enterprise bargaining agreement period. We're in this country where we talk about freedom, freedom. Workers don't have the right to withdraw their labour. We talk about freedom. Children don't have the right to live a life free from want. We talk about freedom. People don't have the right to accommodation. And the list goes on and on. We talk about freedom ad nauseum. But freedom to do what? Freedom to exploit people by removing all the safeguards which have been won over generations through laws which deregulate activities which allow employers and governments to impose onerous conditions on people and remove those rights they have. Through globalisation, allowing corporations to have more power than national governments, to enter into deals which allow corporations to sue sovereign states if sovereign states pass laws to improve the lives of their people which impinge on the profit of these corporations and these governments that we have entered into free trade agreements with. Corporatisation, when we see on a daily basis what happens 
in the childcare sector, the nursing home sector, where we should be having institutions which are not run for profit, which have now been taken over by the private sector or corporatised religious, pseudo-religious organisations, where nurses are removed, staff are reduced, food is reduced, in nursing homes because they need to make a return to shareholders who now control the nursing home industry. And considering we have an ageing population, this is going to be, this is one of the big sleeper issues, like public housing, which again gains little traction in the community. Child care. Anybody with young children knows the cost of childcare. But what they don't realise is the billions of dollars which are poured into private coffers to allow private companies, a handful of corporations, to dominate the sector while refusing to support community-based childcare. So again, no Pavlovian response... Somebody dies in a nursing home unnecessarily. People are starved in a nursing home. Children don't receive you know, adequate care in a private institution, whether it's church-owned, corporate-owned, doesn't really matter. Pavlovian response. No, we don't have a Pavlovian response. It's unpleasant. It's not nice. It's terrible if it happens to one of your relatives or friends. But... In order to resolve these issues or tackle these issues or attempt to minimise the problems that we face, we need to overturn the deregulation, privatisation, corporatisation, globalisation mentality. That's right. Destroy that mentality which dominates every aspect of our existence for every minute of every hour, of every day, of every year that we live in this country. That is the war that is going on. And when people fight back, we're told, oh, this is class war. Well, class war has been going on since time immemorial, but it has escalated over the last 40 years. And it has succeeded in either pauperising people or saddling them with so much debt that they're not willing or unable to be involved in activity that attempts to overturn the domination of our very lives by the globalisation, corporatisation, deregulation and privatisation mentality, which results in legislation and the election of politicians who are nothing more than apologists for some of the cruelest people in our society. Apologists. So what are you going to do about it? You can cry, you can beat your chest, you can write to your politician, but how about joining public interests before corporate interests? I mean, we're not perfect, but we are attempting to put the interests of the many before the interests of the few. 
Join public interest before corporate interest. We are attempting to register as a political party. If you're on the electoral roll, even better. We need 550 people so we can apply for membership and hopefully be able to take part in the next election. Not just in terms of being elected. We know we're not going to be elected. But in terms of raising issues. As the people of Gaza went to the fences of their prison and attempted to break down those fences in a peaceful manner, and we saw what happened in this situation, we need to be able to do the same. Public interest before corporate interests. You want to join public interest before corporate interests? Have a look at the website. Download the application for PIBCI, P-I-B-C-I dot net. Haven't got a computer? Leave a name and an address on 0439 395 489 0439 395 489 and I will send you an application form. Or you can write to us at Post Office Box 20, Parkville 3052. Uh, you can look at anarchistmedia.org, anarchistmedia.org. Come go to my Facebook page, Toscano, T-O-S-C-A-N-O, the number four, the public. See what activities I'm involved in. Go to the Pipsy website, Anarchist Media Institute website. You can come along to the West Papua Open Day this Sunday, 1pm, 8th of April, 838 Collins Street in Docklands. And don't forget... May Day, we are going to have a special May Day on the 1st of May, which I'll talk about next week. Thank you once again for listening to the Anarchist World this week, courtesy of those nice people at the Community Radio Network. This program has been streaming live on 3cr.org.au, 3cr.org.au. The program is podcast. You can access the podcast by going to 3cr.org.au. You've got any Nasty messages, send them to me. I'll eat them for breakfast. Post Office Box 20, Parkville 3052, anarchistmedia.org, or info at or go to my Facebook page and put up a nasty post or become a friend. Toscano for the public. Toscano for the public. I specialise in dealing with nasty posts. It's my specialty. I ignore them. So you're just wasting your time. Nice posts, we, we like so listen in to the Anarchist World this week on your local community radio station, courtesy of the Community Radio Network, a coalition, a federation of community radio stations across the country, north to south, east to west, up and down. That number again, 0439 395 489. Listen to the Anarchist World this week, next week. Minds that plot destruction Sorcerer of death construction An analysis you'll never hear anywhere else. Anarchist World This Week, Australia's Sacred Cow Slaughterhouse. 10am every Wednesday. Listen to the Anarchist World This Week for an up-to-date analysis of local, national and international events. Poisoning their brainwashed minds Oh, Lord, yeah.